It's hard to believe that we're wrapping up our mini-series called Soundtrack within the greater series of the story. Hope it's been meaningful for you. It's, uh, it's been fun for me to dig into the scriptures, thinking through this mindset of if our story of life would have music set to it, if we had our own soundtrack, what would that music be? And we've seen in scripture there's been some beautiful music and there's been some not so beautiful music. And so I think that is the human condition. And so I'm excited to have one more Sunday to be able to do that together. Uh, next week, we're going to begin a new sub-series within the story series. It's going to be called Monsters, and we're going to look at things in life that try to kind of crush our faith, and, and we're going to view that in the way of monsters and how God helps us to defend against that. And one fun thing that uh, our Explorers Ministry uh, and, and Kevin Aki uh, want us to do, I think this is super exciting, is to have our, our children up through grades uh, five participate in this, and simply we're asking all these children to just draw monsters. They could be any kind of monsters and submit those uh, on our Facebook page. And we'll randomly uh, choose a winner each week, and that's going to be like a pizza party uh, for the family. So it should be a lot of fun and just a good way to get our children involved. So if you have children or grandchildren of that age, I invite you to go check out our South Park Church Facebook page for all the the details, uh, and we'll get that rolling next week. Because again, our children are studying the story even as we study it in here uh, as grown-ups. And that's the way that we're all reading through the Bible together. Uh, well, if you haven't uh, been here before, this is your first Sunday. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. Just want to welcome you here today. Uh, if uh, you'd love to love to put a, a, a book in your hand, the story, again, as Pastor Nancy said, it's an abridged copy of the Bible that we're reading through. Uh, we've read chapter 14 for this week. I invite you to read chapter 15 for next week. Our hometown Charlotte Hornets from the National Basketball Association just missed making the playoffs this year, and so they're sitting home and and starting to to look ahead to next year, but it is NBA playoff basketball time, Uh, and I know some of you are excited about that, some of you maybe less so, but uh, I want to introduce to you uh, three basketball players, we'll have them up on the screen here, Uh, Kevin Durant, who plays for the Golden State Warriors, Uh, Russell Westbrook, who plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder, and James Harden, who plays for the Houston Rockets. Um, Kevin Durant won the Most Valuable Player Award, uh, best player in all of the NBA about four years ago. Uh, Russell Westbrook won the Most Valuable Player Award uh, for being the best player in the NBA last year. And it looks like that James Harden is going to win the award this year. So you're looking at up on the screen three very great basketball players. Now, With all that talent, you think they would be winning lots of basketball championships. Between all three of them, they have one basketball championship, and that was Kevin Durant won that last year as part of the Golden State Warriors. Um, And um, now here's here's the hard part, and and probably the, the sad part about this is, these three men, all most valuable players in the whole league, the whole professional basketball league, all used to be on the same team. They all used to be on the Oklahoma City Thunder. And uh, just imagine if they had stayed together, what they might be doing in basketball together. Instead of winning individual awards, most likely they would have won some team awards and, and have been able to actually get over the hump and win several NBA championships. But that wasn't the case. And so I think what happened here was, I don't, I don't know all the details, but it seems like these three men uh, couldn't get along to stay on the same team together. Now, maybe that was ego, maybe it was pride, maybe it was money because they all got better money when the two of them left the team. I'm not sure what it was, 
But from a team perspective and a championship perspective, which is the ultimate goal of a basketball player in the National Basketball Association is to win the title, they haven't been very successful. Now, just imagine if they'd been able to overcome their egos or their desire to make more money or be the most significant player on the team, what this trio could have done together. And I'm sure those fans who live in Oklahoma City still regret the day that this team broke up. So this division has led to a lack of championships And it's kind of a sad thing to see if you're a basketball fan. Um, But we don't have to be basketball players. We don't have to be basketball fans to know that division is a real part of life. And maybe if you're like me, you've encountered some stress or division in your life and and you wonder why that is. Um, I love my two boys, Luke and Nathan. They're six and ten. And sometimes they can be the best of brothers to each other and and encourage each other, and spend time together, and play together. And then there are moments where you think they're going to kill each other. Uh, We're in the car just the other day, and uh, we had separated them because sometimes the car is a dangerous place for brothers to sit beside each other. You know, (laughs) you're on my side, you're looking at me, and I know your kids or grandkids never do that. It's just pastor's kids. But it does happen in, in our car. So we had one in the front seat, one in the back seat, and they were diagonal from each other, so they couldn't, like, kick the seat behind it. They still found a way to hit and kick each other. And you, you just, you're like, what's going on? And that's just, that's aggravating, but I think that's, that's part of life. It's part of growing up, part of being a child. Um, but here's the deal. I think I've shared with you all before. I've, I've got a younger brother. Uh, he's two years younger than me. I love him. He loves me. And, and we get along pretty well. But, you know, honestly, we're not as close as I'd like us to be. And a big part of that lies with me. And, you know, we've tried to do that. And again, we speak to each other. We text each other. We see each other on holidays. You know, we share pictures and all that. But we just don't have a deep relationship in the way that I think brothers could. And And on the other side of that is Laura, who has a younger sister, and and they are tight, and they talk all the time, and they share big, significant things in life. And so, you know, I want that for Luke and Nathan when they grow up, to have a relationship like Laura has with her sister, to to have a stronger relationship than I have with my own brother. And and I've not given up hope, and maybe you could pray for me and and my relationship with my brother, but I'm guessing it's not just me uh, that feels division in in some significant relationships in our lives. I know that many of us here come from blended families, and and we we have had to deal with divorce and the the effects of that. I know that some of us, we're not close with our children, or we're not close with our grandchildren. Some of us are struggling at work, and some of us have lost our jobs, and some of us are not in good work situations right now. And some of us are are divided in our neighborhoods. We don't get along with our neighbors. And so I think with any part of our life that we all know what it is to experience conflict, and and arguments and sometimes flat-out division. And for some of us, we we might be so burned and jaded by this, we might be so pessimistic that that we ask the questions, can can anybody really ever get along? Can anybody really ever stay together? I mean, that's a significant question. Can anybody really ever love and stay together in in relationships, whether it's friendships, whether it's marriage, whether it's parent-child or grandparent, grandchild? You know, 
Is there hope for us when we're feeling division in our life? What division might you be facing in your life right now? And this is just really resonating with you as this scripture has resonated with me. Now, that's the good news today is that God gives us the Bible and some specific stories to help us with this tension of wondering how we can get along better with people and how we might be able to salvage some of our relationships that seem to be headed for a a major divide and it's going to hurt a lot. And so thanks be to God that he's given us this scripture that we can learn from today. And so we've been studying... uh, the, the early part of the people of Israel were, were kind of about 3,000 years ago. It's about 1,000 years before Jesus is born. And we've seen that there are various kings who've been ruling the people of Israel. We, we've had King Saul, then King David. We've had King Solomon. And, and they've been ruling the people of Israel. And ever since God called a man named Abraham and a woman named Sarah to, to, to create the, the beginnings of the nation of Israel, and, and once they had started having children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, that emerged from this 12 tribes, 12 groups that make up the nation of Israel, and they have been together forever, forever since the beginning of the, the nation of Israel until today's readings. And we're going to see these hundreds of years that they've been united. It's all going to come to a stop. And we're going to see the first big family divide of the people of God. And it's going to happen on a massive scale. And so Solomon is turning over the kingdom of Israel to his son Rehoboam. And Solomon dies. And Rehoboam begins to rule. And at the end of Solomon's reign, he was really not popular with the people. He was making life difficult for them. Uh, Rehoboam ratchets it up. He makes it even harder. He wants to be even tougher than his dad was. And that's got got the people uh, too excited about this. And then uh, God calls a, a man named Jeroboam to be a leader in Israel because God is gonna, he knows that the, the kingdom's getting ready to split. And so Jeroboam's gonna rule 10 of the 12 tribes and Rehoboam's gonna rule two of the 12 tribes. So we've got these two major kings, Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Oboam evidently was a, a popular way to name your child 3,000 years ago. So. <laughs> Uh, you can refer to me today as Kyle Oboam and uh, Nancy Oboam. And uh, you, know what, what, you know what? In fact, just add Oboam to the end of your name and turn and introduce yourself to whoever's sitting beside you. Go ahead and do that. Go ahead. <laughs> so we got Sarah Oboam, Debbie Oboam, Quay Oboam, Bill Oboam. We're, we're having a good time. We're the Oboam church family, so... Well, Oboam family, let's look into the Bible today. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 11. Uh, this is the Old Testament. Again, we're dealing with kings of Israel. Remember, Israel said, God, we want king. And God said, no, you don't want a king. Yeah, we want a king. And okay, you got a king, and now you don't want a king. So that's where we are. 1 Kings chapter 11. We're going to read uh, verses 29 through 33. If you've got your Bibles or your tablets, or just want to look up on the screen here. Um, About that time, Jeroboam was going out of Jerusalem, and Ahijah, the prophet of Shiloh, a prophet is a spokesperson for God, God gives them something to say, met Jeroboam on the way, and um, the prophet was wearing a new cloak. And the two of them were alone out in the country, and Ahijah took hold of the new cloak he was wearing, and he tore it into 12 pieces, no doubt, because God told him to do that. You know, just, God, I just got this new cloak. You want me to tear it up into 12 pieces? I guess that's what I got to do. 
Then he said to Jeroboam, take 10 pieces for yourself, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. See, I'm going to tear the kingdom out of Solomon's hand and give you 10 tribes. Right? Solomon blew it, so I'm going to give you 10 of the 12 tribes. But for the sake of my servant David, right, who was Solomon's father, and for the city of Jerusalem, which is in the southern part of Israel, which I've chosen out of all of the tribes of Israel, Rehoboam will have one tribe. He actually ends up with two tribes, but here he's at least guaranteed one. I will do this because they have forsaken me and they've worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Shemash, the god of the Moabites, and Molech, the god of the Ammonites, and have not walked in obedience to me nor done what is right in my eyes, nor kept my decrees and laws as David Solomon's father did. So God is saying... I'm going to tear the nation apart because the nation of Israel has been unfaithful to me by worshiping gods that do not exist. And this is not what David did. This is what Solomon did. Solomon was the great king of wisdom. Remember, he didn't finish his course well. We talked about that last week. And and so the choice of Solomon to follow false gods has now had a ripple effect upon Rehoboam, who's going to continue to worship false gods, upon Jeroboam, who's going to continue to worship false gods, and upon the people of Israel. And so this decision by one man, the king, the ruler of Israel, has been taken on upon the good free will of of the successors and the nations torn in two. When we stand against God, I think that's when division really happens. And so lots of people in important power and positions have stood against God, and now the nation suffers. And the nation is torn in two. People are far from God. They're worshiping false gods. And it's just not a good situation to be in. I want to jump uh, into the New Testament and see what uh, Jesus has to say about division. I want to read a couple of passages of Jesus in the Gospels. That's the first four books of the New Testament. Gospel means the good news uh, of Jesus. And so in Mark chapter 3, verse 25, second book of the New Testament, this is what Jesus has to say about division. He says, if a house is divided against itself, the house cannot stand. That makes sense. If, if people are turned against each other, it's going to fall apart. What was going on was Jesus was healing people and, and, doing, and casting out demons, and, and some of the religious leaders didn't like Jesus, and so they said the reason he can cast out demons is because he's one himself. And Jesus says, that makes no sense. Why, if, if a house is, is divided against itself, it can't stand. If I'm fighting against other demons, then, then we're going down, so your logic is just foolish. But, but Jesus' wisdom transcends this particular moment. A house divided against itself cannot stand, especially when the house is divided against God. It's really not going to stand. So um, let's continue with uh, Jesus again. Now, this time in Matthew's gospel, first book of the New Testament, chapter 18, verse 20. Um, This is a verse you might have heard before. It says, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. And so when Jesus is talking about when, you know, two or three people, especially believers, gather together and they're in tune with God's will, God's with us. Uh, and, and, and if we're in God's will and we're together, then, then that, that will's going to happen, right? We can accomplish great things for God. Um, that's the original meaning of the passage. I also have to think and say and believe if one person is gathered, 
God's also with us. And, but, but Jesus is just talking about the power of being together, united. Even just two of us together, when we're united in God's will, can do mighty things. Uh, but I'm going to add uh, an interpretation of this scripture that I don't think Jesus meant originally. I don't think that biblical scholars think what I'm going to say is, is biblically scholastic. Uh, I'm just going to add Kyle's spin to this, so take this as just me, okay? This is just my interpretation. Uh, a different way to see this verse as well. Where two or three people are gathered, God is there, because where two or three people are gathered, there's going to be a disagreement. <laughs> Amen? Right? Now, again, that's not the original intent of the Bible, uh, but I think it's true. Where two or three people are gathered, Jesus is there because there, there's going to be a disagreement. And so with disagreements can come hard words. With disagreements can come division. With disagreements can come lots of pain. And so I think it's good that Jesus is with us when we gather because we're never going to agree on everything. And again, we see that in our families. We see it in the workplace. We see it in our neighborhoods. We see it in politics, whether that's local politics, state politics, national politics, international politics. The, you see it with actors and actresses. You see it on sports teams. Right? There's a lot of division in the world. There's a lot of division in our lives, in our everyday lives, and, and so we see that. We, we even see division in churches. Right? Churches, yeah, people are laughing. Y'all know it's true. <laughs> that's why you're laughing, right? That, that's why you're laughing and and. and People get upset in churches at each other, and, and people get mad, and, and they leave churches, and they go to other churches, and, and churches get mad at themselves, and, and they divide from the first Baptist to the second Baptist, the first Methodist to the second Methodist, right? We, we start other churches. We start other denominations because where two or three people are gathered, God is there because we're going to argue with each other, and we're going to break up with each other, and, and we're going to do this to get our way. And so, you know, here at our church, we, we try to think about why that is and, 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 and when that happens, why it happens. And, and, you know, I've used some geometry with y'all before, and I'm not a math scholar or anything, but, you know, two shapes. There's a triangle and there's a square. And we talk about the triangle. That, that's why we exist. And we believe the Bible says we exist to do three things, to love God, to love people, and to make disciples, right? That, that's the why that this church and every church exists. And hopefully, that's not what we argue about. Usually, it's not what we argue about. I, I, I don't think I've ever had anybody come to me and say, Pastor Kyle, we really got to stop loving God, Right? Pastor Kyle, we really got to stop loving people. Pastor Kyle, we really got to stop making disciples of Jesus because that's just not what the church is about, right? We don't usually fight about the triangle. But then there's the square, and this is how we do those things. How do we make disciples? How do we love God? How do we love people? And, and that's the logistical side of things. And so, you know, on that square, we, we have programs, right? We, how, do we, how do we minister in the world? We have staff and leadership. Who's going to lead this? We have structure. How do we organize ourselves to do this? And we have facilities. Where are we going to do this, Okay. That's usually, in my experience as a lifelong Methodist and a, a, and a pastor for 22 years, that's usually where people get upset and argue and fight and leave. And, and it's not over the why, it's over the how. Wow, Pastor Kyle, that was too loud in worship today. And then somebody comes next to me right after that, Pastor Kyle, it wasn't loud enough in worship today. What's going on, right? I sure love the worship times that we have at our church. Or, Those are the worst worship times I've ever seen in my life. And 
Man, it's hard being out without a building and, and meeting in a coffee shop with my small group. I don't like that. And I love being out in, this, in a coffee shop for my small group. When we get back in the building, I'm going to have my classroom and no one's going to use it throughout the week. They're not going to mess it up like they did in the old building, right? <laughs> we argue over the how more than the why. Are we truly loving God? Are we truly loving people? Are we truly making disciples? Right? Do we, do we fuss and fight about Because that's, that's where we should spend our energy. Isn't it? Now, but a lot of times people get mad and they leave. Um, and sometimes we get the, 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 the how absolutely wrong and you should be mad and, and you should step up and say something about that. I'm not, I'm not saying that you shouldn't. But I just think a lot of times the, the division happens when we're fighting about things that really aren't the why, it's the how. And I think that's true not just of churches. I think that would be true of where you work. Um, hopefully where you work you know, has a mission statement and, 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 and you, know, you believe in what your company's doing. If you don't believe in what your company's doing, you probably don't need to be at the county. If you don't believe in what we're doing as Christians, you, you probably don't need to be a part of our church. But, but you also have squares. like you, you have personnel and you have buildings and you have structures and procedures. And, and that's, you know, that's, that's kind of where we get bent out of shape. And so it's not just the church. I hope, I hope this can apply to, to all situations, whether you are active in a, in a church or not. Um, and, and here's the thing. It's okay to disagree, right? We're never going to agree about everything. Uh, but... Can we agree to disagree about the how uh, and not get mad and leave over the why? Because um, I just think sometimes we make the how more important than the why when it's secondary to the why. Does that make sense? And so it's okay to have disagreements. And, and, and we need to speak the truth in love. And we need to seek to understand. And we need to be forgiving. And we need to pray about how we can you know, put ourselves in someone else's shoes. And if there's something wrong in, in what we're doing, then we need to change that. And, and we need to hear that. Um, but, but I'm not so sure that we should get mad and, and, and walk away uh, if, we're trying to, if we're trying to do what God called us to do. And so how can we lovingly be brothers and sisters in Christ and, and do that? Uh, and, you know, if we follow Jesus in the world, we're going to face conflict because the world's a broken place and, and the world doesn't all know Jesus. And so just by being Christians makes us targets. And sometimes we, we target each other. So I'm not saying that, that our life's going to be conflict-free. It's how we deal with the conflict and, and where we choose to really get upset about it or not. Uh, and, and so I think those are two important things. Right? There's going to be conflict. Uh, there's going to be disagreements in our lives. Um, but do we really need to, to sever, right? And, and next year, in 2019, in February, the United Methodist Church, the international level of it, is going to make a huge decision on human sexuality. Uh, and the question is, are we going to be able to stay a United Methodist Church, or are we going to see a division for the first time since we've become the United Methodist Church? And and we've got people on, on the left who say if it goes one way, then we're gone. If we've got people on the right who say it goes this way, we're gone. And we've got the majority who are in the middle saying, you know what, we don't agree on this issue, um, but we want to love each other, and, and we're going to agree to disagree and to move forward. And, and so can we stay United Methodist Church? I honestly don't know. And so I ask you to be praying about that. And we're going to have discussions about that as a, as a congregation as we get closer to February of next year. Um, but... That's, that's important stuff, right? So division is real. But, but all too often, I think, sometimes we divide way too quickly, and, and it's over 
the how rather than over the why. And, and I, think that's, I think that's dangerous. So the question then is, well, well so what, right? So, so what's the main point? What's the big idea? What, what is, what is, what's God trying to get to us through today's scripture as we think about the division in our lives and division um, in, in, every, in every facet of that, even division in the church? And I think that the, big, the big idea, the so what idea, is that a house divided against God cannot stand. A house divided against God cannot stand. Will you say that with me? A house divided against God cannot stand. That's what it was with Solomon, right? The issue was the relationship that Solomon had with God. And, right, it, it, if our marriage is not anchored in God, if our work is not anchored in God, if our friendship's not anchored in God, well, then we stand a great, a great opportunity of, of having it fall apart. Right. And but but when when our house, when we, when our, our family, when our workplace, when our friendship, when, when that stuff is anchored in God, right, that's a powerful thing. And that's where we can love each other and we can agree to disagree, right, on the how kind of stuff. And and, and so I think that's an important thing. Like you, we saw the danger and, and how powerful Solomon was when his when he wasn't personally connected to God, that affected an entire nation of people. But when David was connected to God, look how great the nation did. And I think that's true in our lives. When we're personally connected to God, that's going to have a ripple effect into our other relationships. If we're connected to God, then we're going to be able to work better with people who we're related to and who we work with, who we go to school with. right? And, and so if, if we have things right in our life with God, that's going to have a positive ripple effect on the other relationships in our lives. And I'm just thinking about like my sons, again, Luke and Nathan, and, and, and you know, what would it take to, to divide them from me or for me to d- divide myself from them? And, you know, I love those boys. and I never want to be divided from them or have a, a, a you know, a, a terrible relationship with them. And I'm just thinking, right, I'm not going to let that happen. I, mean, I don't care if they register as Democrat or Republican. You know, it's not going to matter whether they marry the person that I want them to marry or fall in love with the person that I want them to fall in love with. It, it doesn't matter, you know, what they do, if they're going to be a pastor, if they're going to work in a church, if they want to write, if they want to become a musician, if they want to, you know, take a year off and wander the world. You know, I mean, would that really drive a wedge between them and me? And I'm just trying to think, what could ultimately drive a wedge between me and my boys? And, you know, if, if it's not Loving each other and loving God, I think those could be the biggest problem areas. Everything else, we're going we're gonna to agree sometimes and disagree sometimes, but, but we're family, right? And I'm not going to walk away from them. And, and, and that's an important commitment, right? You remember that song, My Sister Sledge? We are family, right? I got all my sisters and me. Man, you guys got to put up with me in this soundtrack series singing, I'm sorry, right? Right, it, it's ugly. Yeah, yeah, I am not Sister Sledge, so. Um, but you get it, right? That's my family, and what's going to come between me and them? Not much. But how many times in our lives do we let little things come between us and the people that we love, and we don't speak to them forever? And what's it about? Usually, just some minor thing, something in the square, and we let it fester and it divides us, right? I don't want that for my boys and I want to model that for them so that they see, wow, dad loves me no matter what. I can treat people in my life like that. And it all goes back to my relationship with God, right? If my relationship with God is right, then I can model that with my boys. I can model that as a pastor. I can model that as a husband. It all goes back. If our house is divided against God, we will be divided. 
So now what do we do about that? I think that it's simple. Get your house in order. If we're facing division somewhere in our life, we need to get our house in order. And I think it all starts with our personal relationship with God. Have we invited Jesus to be our Lord and Savior? Have we confessed him? Have we said, Jesus, I've done so many wrong things in my life. I'm sick of it. I want to leave it behind. I want you to take it from me. Take my guilt. Take my shame. Lord, please forgive me and put me on the right path. I want to serve you. I want to be the person you created me to be. I want to live life to the full. I want to live forever in the kingdom of heaven. God, I want to submit to you. If we've not made Jesus Lord of our life, we're going to have a lot of division in our relationships. Because he's the one who shows us how to be in relationships that are broken. He's the one who came to die for us. He's the one who came to forgive us. He's the one to show us how to live life to the full. If we're not living life to the full with Jesus, man, our relationships are going to suffer. It's that primary relationship. So brothers and sisters, I think it starts with you and your walk with Jesus. Where are you? Because he gives us the hope and he gives us the opportunity for our brokenness to be healed. And to give us strength in the relationships that might be tearing apart right now. So I, I would invite you, now what? Get things right with God. He's reaching out to you. You just got to reach back. And the other thing I just invite you to do this week is, is to choose one area of your life where division is really an issue right now. One area of your life where there's division or getting ready to be division. And, and ask yourself, what if I made God the center of this? How could that change? Is God at the center of my marriage? Is God at the center of my nuclear family? Is God the center of my relationship with my grandchild? Is God the center of my friendship with with, with my best friend? Is God the center of my work, right? And and wherever you are struggling right now, there's there's one area of your life where division is looming, ask yourself, how can I make God the center of this relationship? If it's your marriage, like how can is God the center of my relationship? Do I pray with my spouse? Do I read the Bible with my spouse? Do I worship with my spouse? Do I serve God with my spouse? Right? Is God the center of our marriage or is God just kind of on the periphery and, and we're struggling and, and we're completely ignoring the lifeline of Jesus Christ? Well, what if it's my work, Pastor Kyle? I mean, we can't go into work and, and make that a, a religious place. Well, I could get fired. And, yeah, I understand that, right? But how can you bring Jesus into the workplace? Because that's where you spend most of your waking hours is at work. And so, right, how can I pray for my workplace? How can I read scripture and involve it in the workplace? How can I live like Jesus in the workplace? It's probably not going to be praying at the board meeting out loud because you don't want to get fired. But how can I model Jesus in relationships in my workplace? And so sometimes we got to be like undercover, under, uh, undercover ninjas for Jesus, right? Because it, it, it's not acceptable sometimes to bring your faith into the workplace. So we got to be undercover ninjas for Jesus. How can you do that? And can you find someone that you work with who's a Christian who can join your undercover ninja operation for God, right? How can we pray for for the workplace? How can we pray for our boss? How can we pray for our colleagues? How can we be more like Jesus? And if you lead like Jesus in your workplace, then it's going to have a ripple effect like David, and you're going to see some positive things. Now, again, if the core values of your workplace don't align with God, well, maybe it's not the right place to be, and that's okay. Sometimes we have to walk away from people. Sometimes people that we care about, right? if, if they 
are not honoring the core value of safety and healthy, if, if they're abusing us, then, then we do need to get away from them. Maybe for a while, maybe forever. You know, that's gotta be up to them, right? Sometimes we do need to walk away, but when we walk away, it needs to be for the right reasons. Too often we walk away for the wrong reasons too soon. So what if we all started doing this? What if we all started trying to make Jesus the center of our marriages and our workplace and our friendships and, and hopefully our church? What could that look like? I'm going to show you one more basketball illustration, and I'll stop giving you basketball <laughs> illustrations today. Um, this is the San Antonio Spurs. These three guys, uh, Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, and Tony Parker, uh, have won together as three teammates more playoff games than any other three men who've played NBA on the same team together in the history of the NBA. Each one of them is MVP caliber, most valuable player caliber, uh, they're all-star caliber, uh, they could go to other teams and make lots more money. They stuck together as a team over the course of years. They took salary cuts to stay together as a team over years. They're still rich, multi-millionaires, but instead of getting tens of millions more, they took tens of millions less. And between the three of them, they helped the San Antonio Spurs continue a, a tradition, and they, they've won five NBA championships. You know why? Because the triangle is more important than the square. Right? We want to win together. We don't have to have our egos stroked or elevated. Right? We don't need the money. We don't need the ego. We want to win championships, so we're going to humble ourselves and as much as NBA players can, and we're going to stick together, and we're going to be champions. Right? When we make God the center of our relationships and the center of our work and, and, and the center of our house... Right? When we are family, uh, then we become champions. We're champions at marriage. We're champion parents. We're champion grandparents. We're champions at work. We're champion friends. We're, we're champion neighbors. Because we're focusing on what's important. right? And God is the center of what we do. A house divided against God cannot stand. Get your house in order. Be a champion. Be a champion and know that we are family. And when we put that first, we put God first, then there's going to be a lot less division in our lives. Thanks be to God for the San Antonio Spurs and to Jesus because we can be champions in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.